the government was going to some of these parents trying to literally build a case against you. Supposedly, you want to have schools for kids and have safe schools for kids. We agree, we're on the same page as you, so let's work together to make something happen, you know. We have a security system on our house and we see this guy come up to our house. And we're like, what the heck is this guy doing? He's holding like an envelope and he comes up, looks kind of like stressed, you know. We open up the security camera so we can hear what he's talking about. And he's talking about serving papers and having us to go serve somebody. And we're like, what? They're, they're serving us papers? Like, and mind you, we had been in like great contact with these people. We're the ones following up. We're not dodging them or anything, right? We're like trying to get a school open. He served us the papers and it ends up being a lawsuit from the state for $100,000 to $300,000. I was like shocked, you know? And we clearly weren't hiding because we applied for a license in the first place. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential. And here's your host, Jeff Crank. Thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, when a family is a two-income household or a single parent, childcare becomes a necessity. And for some families, they're able to get help from family members or a neighbor. But around 58% of families in America use a child care service. Now, one family in Hawaii, when faced with this decision, decided they needed something different for their oldest son because he has some special medical needs and he needed to, a, a place that offered extra care. So they decided to open an outdoor preschool at their home so their son could get the care that he needed, but also help others in their community that were looking for a preschool. However, they ran into multiple government barriers. Trying to open a child care facility in Hawaii is so complicated that there's a nonprofit to help people do just that and navigate the process. Now, after they went through the process, they were ultimately denied. So they decided to open under an exemption. Now, after operating for a while, state officials came to their home, and that is when their legal troubles began. I want to welcome Alex Leva to the podcast, who's going to talk about what his family has been through trying to open this preschool for his son and for their community. Alex, thanks for joining us. Oh, man, Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks for the intro and the warm welcome. I'm uh, super excited to be here. So tell me why it was important to be able to open a preschool for your son and others in your community. Yeah. So um, we live in a part of Hawaii. Uh, we live on the island of Oahu and we live on the North Shore and there's not a lot of commercial space out here and there's a big shortage of preschools. And uh, my wife was a public school teacher uh, and then she also taught at a private school. So she's you know the perfect person to open a school and then we have an entrepreneurial background and had a software company and other stuff. And so uh, when we had our oldest son, he appeared to be fully healthy. And then around age three, uh, kind of in the middle of the COVID stuff, weirdly enough, which I heard actually happened to a lot of kids, he got diagnosed with type one diabetes, which uh, type one diabetes is where something happens that damages your pancreas and it no longer produces enough insulin. And so you have to be insulin dependent and use that the rest of your life. And as you can imagine, sending a kid that's five years old or four years old off to school for them to manage his blood sugar <clears throat> all day 
it's not really going to happen well, right? And so if the he's blood sugar is not managed well and it's high uh, too long, then it'll lead to complications for him later in life and all these issues. And if we keep it under good control, then he can live healthy and basically live a very normal life. And so uh, we were like, you know, considering the fact that the community has a lack of preschools and considering the fact that our son needs this extra care and also that we don't really love what goes on in a lot of the normal preschools we were like let's open something for the community an outdoor preschool where kids can make healthy food together and you know be outside and really be cared for and then also we could manage our son's diabetes and so that's actually what led us to decide to start the school well and I'll tell you, Alex, not, not only do I know what you've been through, I've been through what you've been through. My son uh, is a type 1 diabetic as well. He was diagnosed when he was 8 years old. I think he's 26 now and doing great. But uh, for any parent who has to go through that, it's, it's, uh, it, you know, it's a terrible thing. And you know, I'm sure you wake up in the middle of the night at, when the alarm goes off to go check the blood sugar and all those things, and uh, it's uh, you know we'll have a bond over that. I, I I can assure you. So I understand what that's like, and certainly when you send your child who's type one diabetic off to school, you want to make sure that they're safe and that they're that they're cared for. So that that uh, special um, uh, concern, I fully understand. I'll tell you that. Um, what what was the licensing process like for you? Uh, it's really intense. So. Um... We decided to apply for a license. And as you kind of mentioned in the intro, it's really complex here. And so there's this nonprofit group called Patch that's supposed to help you navigate the licensing process. And uh, because everything in Hawaii is slow and the government stuff is is really slow, basically you'll put in for your license and it'll take like six months to get anything moving and get approved. And so we went in to apply for the license and uh, the patch person and the state person, if I remember correctly, both were like, they looked at our, our space, they looked at everything, they're like, oh man, this looks amazing. We're like 99% sure you're gonna get approved. And we're like, oh, awesome, okay, I guess we have nothing to worry about. But the, the process isn't set in a way that makes any sense. Like you have to, uh, how did this go? <clears throat> you kind of have to like pick your spot and start building from an entrepreneurial perspective, like building up your business before you're fully licensed. Because if you wait, then it's going to take, they don't give you any timelines on when you get licensed or anything like that, you know? And so since they gave us like that 99% chance of approval, we actually built a little outdoor schoolhouse and, and everything. And their people came and looked and said it was really cute. And then, you know, they sent in like, you have the, fire safety people and like other people that come in and inspect and we passed everything and everyone's like, Oh, this is amazing. It's going to be so good for the community. And then at the last like final yard line, so this is probably six months into working through all this stuff with the state, they say, Oh man, the governor just changed the rules and uh, you guys no longer qualify for your license and you're not going to get it. And we're like, wow. you, you guys told us you were 99% sure we built a whole schoolhouse. Like what changed? They said, you no longer qualify for your license because even though it's an outdoor preschool, you'd have to build a wall between your living room and your kitchen inside of our house, even though our kitchen was all child safe and whatever, you know. And then also 
even though it was an outdoor preschool, we'd have to have a commercial fire safety system within our home because the residential one was somehow no longer good enough. And so they wouldn't give us a license because of that, even after six months of telling us it would be good. So uh, as as you're going through this, now you wouldn't argue that there, there shouldn't be any regulation. I mean, you were trying to comply with all of the regulations and it is important to have some regulations, I think you would agree on childcare facilities, right? Totally. Yeah. And that's like the whole thing, you know, is they, if you talk with state people, they're like, well, they always have reasons why, you know, we need to regulate this because I forget what one of their attorneys said, six kids die a year in Hawaii preschools. And it's like, we totally agree, you know? So if we're on the same page of building schools that are safe and healthy for kids, um, then one, the licensed school should really be good. But we get all this feedback from all the families that were coming to our school that their kids were in licensed facilities and being watching Coco Melon and not really being taken care of. And of course, the food is like junky for people that are like health conscious, you know, and all kinds of stuff. So it's like the licensed ones were actually providing worse care than the unlicensed schools. And I think that says something, you know, it's like really crazy to see. Sure. And so after you were denied, what then what were your options so it, once you're denied they are like well so here's the other it's kind of hard to explain but it's just like it's like there's the illusion of freedom but then when you get into the details it's not really there is what it feels <laughs> like so like we could have gotten a smaller childcare license but you can have it for like up to five kids or six kids, but your own kids count. So it would be like, we have three kids in our home, right? And mm -hmm. even if all three weren't attending the school, they count towards the number so we could have another three kids. So you can't really do anything. So there is that type of license. Then there's the exemption, which we thought we found a way to follow the exemption and still have a big enough school to have an impact on the community. And what we believed is that you could have like the exemption states that you can have two kids for every adult is what we thought but it's two kids it's one adult watching two kids you can't stack it does that make sense so like you can't have five adults and 10 kids you can have the one adult and the two kids and you can't like add more and so yeah so that's but anyway you can either go like the big license which they deny us for the small license which doesn't really make sense if you have any children or you can try and go with the exemption mm -hmm. so the the other option i guess according to the state would have been well you can put in the wall and the commercial uh, uh, uh fire suppression system what, what would that have cost to do or could it even have been done in your home it couldn't have been done with the way that my home is set up. Mm -hmm. It would ruin the home. Um, and also that would just, it would end up taking forever because you can't get any really building permits here. So like the permitting system is so bad in Hawaii that it messes up the whole kind of construction industry, you know? And like, so I could have tried to do that, but I probably wouldn't have even gotten through and then even if I did, it doesn't really fit for my house. And then the whole commercial fire safety system, I didn't look at the exact numbers, but it's supposed to be really expensive and it yeah. would have to go through the whole home. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that wasn't really an option, even though that's kind of what they told you you had to do in order to, 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 to open this facility. 
Um, totally. And honestly, yeah. it feels like if I were to do it, they would have just come up with another reason that I needed to change. Sure. You know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. No, I, I totally get that. But I, I want people to understand, like, this is the frustration you're trying to do this and you just keep getting these barriers put in, in front of you. So, um, so, so then what did you do? Uh, you decided not to do that and you found this exemption and decided to open and operate under this exemption. Yeah. So we were like, well, if we can't be licensed, we see this exemption clause and we read it and thought we understood it. And we're like, we'll just operate under this exemption. So we brought in a bunch of extra adults. Fortunately enough, like I worked from my house, my wife was here. We had a young couple that was renting in our, what's called an Ohana unit in Hawaii. Um, things are so expensive here that a lot of houses have a little rental on them. And um, we had a young couple there and, and the girl of the couple worked in the school. And then we also had another teacher that came and worked in the school. So we had a ton of adults around to make sure all the kids were good. And uh, so we were like, that's fine. We can have a certain amount of kids per at, at a time based on how many adults we have. And as long as we don't exceed that, then we're following the exemption. Well, we ran under this exemption for the school was open for about 15 months and um, it grew really quickly because everyone was like, there's a huge need for preschools here and we want our kids to be in this kind of environment. And it got so full that we had to have a wait list and everything. And then all of a sudden the state comes in one day and, you know, shows up on our doorstep and like corners my wife and basically says, you guys have to cease and desist. We're a special agent and other people from DHS and you're operating in a legal preschool and it has to be closed down by the end of the day and starts trying to force her to sign all this stuff. And then I, and I was up on the phone and I come outside and I and I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And I was like, babe, just wait a second. You don't need to sign stuff. And let's talk with everyone like what's going on. And they're like, you guys are operating in a legal child care facility. And I was like, no, we're not. We're operating under this exemption. Here's where we got it. And they were like, that's not what that means. And you got to cease and desist. So we listened to him. We're like, okay, that's fine. We're not doing anything wrong. We have nothing to hide. So we listened to him. We ceased and desist. And then we went through this whole thing, which I can tell you more about, but it just turned out to be them gathering what they were hoping to be evidence against us so they could then file a lawsuit against us, yeah. which was crazy. Well, and, and let me back up just a little bit about just before they came to your home and showed up at your home. I, I want to understand the exemption a little bit more. Uh, you're saying that you felt like it was one, uh, one adult per two students. So in other words, if you had five adults who were there, you could have 10 students. The fact that you had a waiting list showed that you were you were abiding by and following what you thought were the regulations. Am I right on that? Am I understanding that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then they interpreted it differently or they also being the government didn't write the regulations very clear. I would point out sounds like. And so they yeah. show up at your home and and literally like shut you down. Yeah. And here's the other thing that's so frustrating is when you talk to different government employees, they don't even agree on what their regulations mean. So that's why I thought I was, this is going to be fine because I could talk to different people from the state and they would have differing opinions on what stuff meant. So you called beforehand, before you did this, you called some people with the state and, and found and 
that was the way they interpreted this? Uh, I'd have to double check with my wife on, no, 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 not on the one we read, actually. So there was another part of an exemption uh-huh. that said, oh, I wish I asked her this question before jumping well, That's on. okay. That's all right. There was another part of an exemption where it reads one way and you would assume the opposite, but then the state tells you it means something else. And you're like, okay, well, if this one means this, like then the one that I'm reading must be able to be stackable too. I wish I had, sure. I should pull the laws and send it to you, but to yeah. show you what I mean, but it was, it's confusing. Yeah. Well, it doesn't surprise me that it, that it's not confusing. It almost sounds like it's almost purposefully confusing uh by regulators but what what so what happened after they shut you down yeah so um and i guess here's the last thing on the exemption too which i didn't realize i figure exemption means you follow the exemption and you're exempt from licensing you know but it's not Mm -hmm. what it means apparently you need to apply to get a letter of exemption which it's like why would you need a letter saying you're exempt if you're following the exemption, you're just exempt is what I would sure. have imagined. Sure. Right. But that's not the case either. So anyway, we, they come in, we say that we're following this exemption. They tell us we're not, we say, okay, no worries. You know, we'll stop. We, we stopped the preschool that day, um, shut everything down. And we had told our parents that we're in our school the whole time. Like, Hey, we're trying to get our license. It didn't work out. We think we're operating under this exemption, but you know, there's, that, to be honest, there's a lot of illegal preschools in our area that don't even try and follow exemptions or anything. They just, everyone's desperate for childcare because the state won't approve any, right? And so some of these other ones have been operating for a long time. Ours was only for 15 months. And even though we tried to follow the exemption and tried to even get licensed, we were the ones that got in trouble. Whereas a lot of other people don't even try and get licensed because they know that it's all stupid, you know? Yeah. But anyway... The state comes in, they shut down the school um, and we comply with everything. I feel like maybe we made a mistake, but we signed their stuff and we're like, look, we have nothing to hide. We're just good people trying to help kids. So like whatever you got to do, we're kind of operating under the assumption that the state really is trying to benefit society, you know, and that we could trust them like that. The government's trying to do good. And um So we had them come in and they were like, okay, so here's what we need from you. We need to talk with all of your parents. We need to, you know, check in and, and make sure everything was really good. And then we, our parents were really close to us and trusted us a lot, obviously, because their kids are in our school, you know? And so the state, they, everyone would call us and tell us what the state was saying to them. And the state was calling them saying, your child was a part of an illegal preschool operation. Did you know all this stuff? And like trying to make it seem like, me and my wife were guilty of something. Mm-hmm. And so our parents, the parents of our preschool kids were like getting mad because they're like, who are you guys to come in and shut down the school when my kid needs, needs childcare? You're not setting up a place to provide it. You know, you're not helping. And this is a place where I, as a parent, deem them safe. And you're just shutting it down and then trying to like make these people seem bad in some way when they're not doing anything. And so they were clearly like digging for dirt which we found out later was to build a case against us. Mm-hmm. But all of our parents were like, no. And our parents even wrote testimonials in, please keep the school open. It's changed my kid's life. Please keep the school open. Everyone really needs it. We had a bunch of kids where they were like, 
you know, they came out of the COVID era where Hawaii was like masking them up and locking them down and like acting like that's not going to mess with their development. And we saw kids that were truly like there. I'm obviously not a doctor or anything. Right. But like their development was messed up or slowed. And when they got back to being in community and being with kids their age and being outside, they became healthy and good and started developing well again. And that's what these parents were saying is like, this school has changed my kid's life. Please don't shut it down. And even with all of this, the government still just ignores all the parents, shuts it down for the supposed safety of everybody. So, so you really discovered through this process that they were, the, the government was going to some of these parents trying to literally build a case against you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then they were like, okay, so what's the next step? I mean, we're obviously not trying anything wrong. You guys are supposedly, you want to have schools for kids and have safe schools for kids. We agree. We're on the same page as you. So let's work together to make something happen, you know? And they were, so we're like, so when can we get approved for our exemption or can we get, can you guys help us in some way? And they were like, we basically, they stall everything. Oh, we don't have an answer for you. Oh, your stuff's with my supervisor. I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So we go to Texas to visit family, uh, my kids' grandparents over the summer. And then we have a security system on our house and we see this guy come up to our house. And we're like, what the heck is this guy doing? He's holding like an envelope and he comes up, looks kind of like stressed, you know. We open up the security camera so we can hear what he's talking about. And he's talking about serving papers and how he has to go serve somebody. And we're like, what? They're, they're serving us papers? Like, and mind you, we had been in like great contact with these people. We're the ones following up. We're not dodging them or anything, right? We're like trying to get a school open. But no one would talk to us directly. And then we come back from vacation and we let them know, hey, we're back on the island. Like, you were trying to serve us papers. We were gone. Now we're back. And so then they send their person back out. We get served papers. And even the guy serving us is like, I'm really sorry. This is messed up. Here you go. You know, because everyone can tell that we're just trying to help our community. And the um, he serves us the papers and it ends up being a lawsuit from the state for $100,000 to $300,000 because of we operate an illegal preschool. And mm. I was like shocked, you know, and I'm like, how is this even possible? We closed it down right when they told us what we were doing was wrong. They interviewed all of our parents. They know we were not intentionally breaking anything. And we clearly weren't hiding because we applied for a license in the first place <laughs> and had a whole like website and everything. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's what happened. Okay. So. So then from there, what happened? I mean, are you able to operate today? Uh, yeah, kind of. So we finally got the exemption. So I guess I'll, I'll tell you the rest of that story just because it's so mind blowing. So okay. we get that lawsuit, right? And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, why is the state coming after just a member of society and specifically a family trying to open a school? Like, how's there not better use of their time and resources? And what it really felt like is, they're taking the money from all the individual people through taxation, right? And collecting it into this unified group where they have more power than all of us as individuals. And then they're weaponizing that power against anyone that's not in alignment with whatever their agenda is, mm -hmm. is what it felt like. And so we end up 
uh, I have a friend who's a successful entrepreneur as well. And he had, uh, he's told me, you know, you're not an entrepreneur. If you haven't been through a lawsuit, I would call 20 lawyers around the island and you're going to find someone that's worked with these people and that can guide you through this. And so I was like, thank you so much, dude. That's great advice. So I called a bunch of lawyers. I actually found a guy who worked with the Department of Human Services as a lawyer before and now has his own practice. And um, I was like, dude, this is the lawsuit and this is the story. And he was like, man, this is the, this is crazy. I don't know why they're doing this. I don't know what they would, why they would ever like come after a guy like you. It doesn't really make any sense. So here's what I recommend. He was so nice that he told me what to do without me even having to pay him. And he said, call their team directly, their legal team, and just see if you can come to an agreement or a settlement because this doesn't make any sense. So then I call their legal team for the state. And I was like, hey, was, you know, got hit with this big lawsuit. Just want to understand this. You know, can we come to some type of agreement, whatever? And they were super nice to me. And it was really weird. And all of a sudden, everyone's all helpful. And they're like, you know, normally we can find you up to $5,000 or $10,000. But you guys have been so good and helpful. We actually are going to cut it down to $5,000. And if you sign this thing and pay $5,000, you're going to get fined and the whole thing will be done. And that sounds a lot better than a hundred to three hundred thousand dollars, you know. And so I'm like, okay. So then I start looking into the details and I look at what the document they give me, and it says that it's a judgment against me. That if I sign this, I'm agreeing to a judgment against me that I'm guilty. It's not a fine, it's not an agreement, it's not a settlement. And the attorneys know, right? So I write back and I'm like, hey, I love this. Can we change the word judgment to agreement or settlement? And that's and then we because it's a fine. You guys have been calling it a fine this whole time. Every time we talk on the phone, the attorney comes back and says, no, the state will not change the word judgment. So what ends up happening is I and I still have to like, what am I going to do? You know, I can't fight the state, so I have to go for it. So I have to sign this thing. So the state it's the state has it all set up where the state wins if they win and they win, if they lose, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they literally are stacking wins for them. So now what comes down or what's happened is I had to pay them $5,000, which they lied and called a fine, but really was me paying them $5,000. So they didn't have to go to court and they got a judgment against me saying they won the case and that I was guilty. And I don't even know what that means beyond preschool world and what kind of, you know, precedence or whatever that sets. But I'm just like, this whole thing is messed up. Right. This is crazy. <laughs> so, so, so once that happened and you agreed to that, um, and paid the, paid the $5,000, mm -hmm. then you were able to get the exemption. Is yeah. That magically, right? magically. Right. So <laughs> all of a sudden I pay the $5,000 and I'm labeled as guilty or whatever, you know, the judgments against me. And then all of a sudden the lawyer's like, Oh, and just so you know, you guys are so good. I'm actually going to, help speed your exemption along which they had been stalling on and not answering on for like whatever six months at this mm -hmm. point wow. and then i paid a fine and now i've got the exemption letter on my fridge but here's the thing it's fake freedom again because now the exemption letter states that i am exempt and can run my preschool but only if i operate for six hours or less total per week like per week so 
Wow. I mean, who wants three, you know, six hours of preschool a week. So sure. I could literally have like two, three hour classes. If I do yeah. anything beyond that. And if parents were to stay any longer, like if they were late to pick up their kid and the state happened to see it, then the thing I had to sign says that I'm now a second time offender and I will be subject to the full force of the law. Basically, like I'll get that hundred to $300,000 fine and there's no way out of it. Hmm. So wow. I have an exemption, yes. And that's what they all say and they make you try and feel good about it. But could I really operate a, a preschool, operate a business, do anything meaningful? And is the risk dramatically like, no, I could not. And the risk is significantly higher now as well. Yeah. So are, so have you decided to operate or are you just not able no. to do it because of the, because of the rules? Uh, me and my wife have been thinking on it now for a little while and we just don't think it's worth it. We yeah. were, we kind of wanted to, because here's the thing. My wife comes from a family of teachers, you know, it's like, that's sure. her passion. Yeah. And also it's good for our kids and, right. and a million things, but it's like, I don't, I don't think it's worth it now. I think we need to yeah. do something else. Well, and, uh, you know, you would put yourself you know, at, at whatever risk to come, having them come in and find you again at, at their whim. And meanwhile, you have a community that isn't getting served, right? Yeah. Oh, and that's a whole nother part of it too. So during this whole, between the gap of them giving us the cease and desist, well, I guess even right before that, before that things were thriving and we were like, you know, running out of our house and stuff and our yard is probably not sustainable Let's look for a commercial space and try and expand this because there's kids all over the island that need a school like what we're doing. And clearly, if we can open a business and it fills in a matter of months, like people need this, you know, it's not just us. And so um, we started looking to partner with some local churches and open because a lot of times churches will have preschools out of them, you know, and it's like kind of a good partnership. And so we found a church where the guy had done, he had a whole commercial real estate background, the pastor of this church and was good at it. And he was like, look, I will find different buildings. We can get them through and then we'll open up preschools to help more kids. And I was like, dude, that's good because that's our whole mission is just trying to help kids. And um, we couldn't find a building that they would approve. They, they shut down the other commercial buildings for all kinds of reasons. One, because the building was made out of wood and is what they told us, even though there's tons of buildings made out of wood. And then when we pushed back on that, we got different answers from the state again. Another one, it was zoned incorrectly. It was this beautiful building set up to be a whole school. And the previous school got shut down because it was zoned incorrectly and you can't get the zoning stuff fixed. And then like, we just kept hitting hurdles. And so we ended up giving up on that, getting our exemption. And now we're just like, I don't know. I don't even know if we'll open a school or anything because they right. just kind of make it impossible. And then wow. what's even crazier, the last piece of the story that, and this is my perspective and I could be wrong, but there is a elementary school down the street from us, a great school. And they were, they just opened up a preschool with 20 openings, which is not enough for the community at all. Right. But it's ironic that they're blocking all these private businesses from having schools. Then they open up their own and then it fills up immediately and it's not good enough. And then as part of the 
uh, elementary school, there's new construction going on and they're building a new part onto the school. And guess what they're building? A preschool. Right. Like a bigger preschool. And so I can't help but feel like they are creating a need in the market, yeah. blocking out the private sector, making it where all these parents are begging for childcare. Right. And then they're wanting to get the funding for themselves and open up the government run one where they can indoctrinate and do all their own stuff. That's yeah. what it feels like is happening. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's a, not an unreasonable assumption, I think, on your part to feel that way. And, and I totally get it. How much if you take all the when you put money into this, into your home, into building this? I mean, how much do you think you're out right now, uh, you know, with the fine and the and everything? you know, just to try and open this facility? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty sizable for most people. You know, I think yeah. we're probably in it probably somewhere around 30 grand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, and that's, that's, and then the government goes and, and, you know, has a public entity open, and they didn't seem to have the same trouble that you had. So uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like, that's only the money. That's not counting the time. You sure. Know, that's oh, like yeah. so much time put into trying to get that whole thing going. And yeah. And even like that 30 grand is less because so many people believed in the preschool. We mm -hmm. literally had builders that helped build this schoolhouse at cost. So basically donating their energy because they wanted to have a schoolhouse in the community. Right. And we were all told there's a 99% chance it's going to work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's yep. just, it's messed up. Alex, thanks for telling us your story. I appreciate you joining us. And uh, I will tell you best of luck to your son. Uh, as I said, my son, juvenile diabetic, and mm. uh, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a difficult road, but it is uh, you know, they they have very productive, healthy lives. If you, if you control that juvenile diabetes. So best of luck to your son and to you and your family. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for the time. And thanks for sharing your story a little bit as well. You got it. All right. Thanks, Alex. Well, listen, this is an example. We talk about government barriers all the time. Alex and his wife and his family had this dream and the state of Hawaii and other uh, regulators put a lot of barriers in front of them. And uh, these are the things that we talk about on this show all the time and want to help tear down those barriers. Look, liberty and freedom are easily taken for granted. Don't take it for granted. Go out there, defend freedom, defend liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. <laughs>